Welcome to the next chapter. I'm Gloria Coppola, your host, an international award-winning educator, a best-selling author, a story development coach, and I help independent authors write and publish their books. And you are listening to the author series. My guest today is Stephen Young, the million dollar closer. You may ask, why am I bringing someone on that closes deals? Well, we're all in sales, that's right. And Stephen's a fascinating man. Not only is he an internationally known public speaker, investor, and author, but his presentations are powerfully motivational and inspirational and will provide a compelling reason for anyone to take action in their life. So without further ado, I would like to have you listen to the wisdom that he presents in our interview now. I'm so honored to have you here. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here, Gloria. Well, you know, I was taking a look at your book and all the things that you do in life, and it's very fascinating. And I know that I have a lot to learn from you. But the first thing I want to know is why did you decide to write your book? Well, um, I have been writing all my life in little bits and pieces. My grandfather wrote some uh, pretty uh, simple poetry, but it was love poetry. And it was on my paternal side. And so I always liked it. And, and then I had a teacher yell at me in the eighth grade, uh, writing who was rather a uh, German. He was rather strict and unkind. And it really devastated me. And I went home and my mom had taught me to read at two years of age. So she said, OK, just start writing this out. What made you mad about him? His name was. Well, I won't go into his name. But anyway, she had me write it all down. And after I'd finished it up, she said, how do you feel? And I said, what was a rather cathartic experience. And she said, that's how we manage our challenges. She said, we write them down, we look at them, we read them. She said, if they're not good, we burn them and throw them out. If they're good, we keep them. <laughs> and then I got the quote that I shared with you some time ago from William Randolph Hearst. It, it doesn't take much to be a writer. All you have to do is have some thoughts you're willing to put into words. Mm-hmm. That made it easy for me. Yeah. And, and it looks like it seems like mom actually trained you at a very young age to be able to turn businesses into multi-million dollars just based on that advice that she gave you. I love yeah, Mom was a powerhouse. Mother was an executive secretary for the vice president of Kraft Foods and ran eight industrial plants. Her sister, her older sister, my aunt Mildred, uh, was the secretary for the wealthiest man in Missouri at that time. And my side of the family had no money. That side had quite a bit. But um, I got whipped in the eighth grade for uh, turning book reports for War and Peace and Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. Uh, they said that I had lied about it. But my mom came back and was furious and, and said he, he read every every bit of it. I sat here every night. So, you know, reading was an important part. Uh, even now, uh, I read voraciously and I look at the style of writing, what words they've used, what words they put together you know, that's a really important thing, I think, in writing is the words that you put together. I feel like I have my own style in writing and things. Uh, one of my favorite words I put together is um, necessary and essential. Those are two words I put together a long time ago, and they work really well together. But to describe something as necessary and essential, it, it, it snaps you up a little bit. And you think, OK, well, I better look at this a little bit longer. 
Yeah, actually, that's interesting that you said that because I just uh, recorded a uh, podcast about effective communication and what is valuable and essential and all that. So, like, you know, it, and working with new writers, as you know, you're very well versed. Okay. That's one of the things that we talk about is the words. And everybody's at a different stage. So we got to pace them along the way, just like you do in business. Right. So, Tell us a little bit about your book. Like, I find it very fascinating, your topic. And, you know, what? who's who's your market out there? Well, I think the market's anyone that wants to learn to close a deal. You know, I call it the one-minute sales close because, like when you and I met just now, uh, over, I was delighted to see you. I've seen your pictures and everything. But, you know, we're sitting here looking at each other for a moment. And while it's, it's being transcribed uh, audio, uh, to get to see you and, and feel you, I've got about one minute to make a difference. So, you know, uh, while I'm sitting here, I've got jeans on, I've got a sport coat and a nice shirt and a tie. And uh, that's how I'm going to show up. And I think you've got one minute to make a difference in people's lives. They instantly judge. We're in a 10 second soundbite. They instantly judge you. And if I walk up in jeans and an old shirt and my shirt hanging out and a pair of beat up old tennis shoes and holes in my jeans, other than a millennial, perhaps, who's going to pay attention to me? Yeah. So I thought that you have one minute, and that's why I called it the one-minute sales close. And I called it tomorrow's results today because I can actually train people to have those results in their lives immediately. That's mm-hmm. the beautiful thing about closing sales. It's still who, what, why, where, when, and how. That takes one minute. Who, what, why, where, when, and how. Any one of those that I ask you a question, if I ask you all those questions, and you answer them for me, and I have done it in a polite and respectful, dignified manner. Once I find that information, Gloria, I know what you want. I either have it to give it to you, or I can pass you to someone that can actually help you. And that is in service to the client. And mm-hmm. that's the greatest calling in sales there is. Yeah, you got to know the people. You got to build a relationship. You have to talk their language. Absolutely, yeah. Stephen. Yeah. 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 You know, it's interesting because you talked about how you showed up today, you know, even though this is not going to be a video. And right before I was getting ready, I thought, I better put a different top on. I have a feeling. (laughs) 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 And, And dad taught me that dad was a dapper dresser. He also looked he was he was in business. Um, he worked in New York City and he everyone judged him basically by how he carried himself. So he basically can charm anybody because of his demeanor, how he looked, how he presented. He made really good eye contact and he taught us that. I have the same thing with my father. He was an immaculate dresser and uh, he always thought the first impression was the best impression. And when we didn't have any money, he took me in and bought me Hart Schaffner and Mark's suits, uh, shark skin suits, a taupe and a blue one, uh, Bostonian shoes, which were a big thing, arrow shirts, Farrah. And I've always dressed well because of my father. And uh, as a matter of fact, I have a success closet. Every single item that I have in my closet was bought with a commission from a sale. So I call it my success closet. So anything I've got on was a success. And so I feel like a million bucks when I put it on. Oh, I love that. I love that. You know, dad did that. Um, Back in those days, you know, they weren't the wealthiest people, but they were trying to make a better life for themselves after the war and all. And he used to tell my mother, especially for me, like we had, there were five kids, but for some reason he targeted me. I guess he had a vision. He would make her take me to the high end department stores and put me up on those little pedestals where they would do custom, you know, clothing for me. And, you know, it was like, 
I was five and six years old when they were doing this, you know, and, and he was creating a certain image for me. And I never really realized it, obviously, until I got older, that that stayed with me, that influence that we bring forward into this world. Ah, the fairy princess. <laughs> well, I wasn't quite the princess. I was the tomboy. So I used to think he was doing it to get me out of that tomboy, oh. you know, mentality. And mom sent me to charm school, by the way. So you see, they they must have noticed I needed help. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all working. So that's the best part. <laughs> yeah, I know where to put the forks on the table. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit more about your book. Um, what What do you feel... Because a lot of us are coaches out there. A lot of the people that are authors and stuff, they've got businesses. They want to close their coaching deals. They want to attract more clients. What do you feel that you, your book can provide to them? How is it going to help them? Well, I think the number one thing it will do is is actively listen. I call it listening between the raindrops. I coined that phrase. And, oh, I like that. Uh, listening between the raindrops. And hearing what's not being said, I think a, a lot of people that are writers are, uh, some are uh, auditory, some are visual, some are kinesthetic, but all three come into play in your writing. So I think that, that listening is, is a key factor to selling your book or selling your ideas to anyone, whether you're in a relationship or whether you're negotiating for a car, it doesn't matter. Your speaking comes from the listening of the audience. That's, you know, I've done 3,000 seminars in 15 countries. And so more than that. But, uh, you know, I was just a road warrior. I liked it. And, and so I learned to hear what was not being said. Well, you know, in, in writing, what's the character not saying? You ask yourself that. What, what's not here? And then you, then you go into these off, you know, and you'll have to cut and tear. And anyway, I... Uh, I feel that the best thing that people can do is be authentic. Uh, I talk about that, you know, people will say, well, I'm, I have a lot of integrity. And my favorite saying about that is talking about your integrity without accountability is worthless exercise. Mm, nice. Now, what happens is somebody shows up perennially 15, 20, 30 minutes late and they talk about having integrity. That is not integrity. No. Uh, integrity is, is accountability is the number one key. Of, can you be accountable? Mm -hmm. And so, so the thing is, is are you accountable with what you're offering and are you willing to give it to someone uh, in return for nothing? You know, I go into everything I, I expect to. I, well, in my one of my sayings, I expect a profit. Right. That's a key thing I would say for your writers. I expect a profit. I've got it down everywhere. I own a website for it. I haven't put it up yet, but I expect a profit. I expect a profit in every single thing I do. We live in a capitalist world. We earned the right to have money because we were born into this world. We didn't come here to be poor. God never meant anybody to be poor on here. However you look at it in any way, shape or form, it's a choice. And every person I've ever met that was broke had a broke story. They had a, and they kept telling it over and over and over to people listen to it. The people that are wealthy, they have a wealthy story. They talk about what they want, how they want it, when they're going to get it. And they keep asking until somebody says yes. And, and that's the key thing. Uh, when I met, um, uh, what's the guy's name uh, that wrote Jonathan Livingston Seagull? Uh, I met him and his wife. She was a famous actress at one time. I can't think of it at the moment. Yeah, I just invaded me just for a moment, too. Yeah, yeah. just has gone completely. Uh, Richard Bach. 
That's right. I was just yeah. going to go Google it for you. <laughs> yeah, I met Richard and his wife. Um, she was a famous actress, and I'll think of her name here in a minute. And uh, I have a book called um, The Sword of Light. And um, uh, what was the other one I handed him? Anyway, n- nevertheless, he got rejected like 1,500 times. And he said, just keep sending it in, keep sending it in, keep sending it in, keep sending it in. Well, I went on into business and everything like that. But I was shocked that he'd gotten 1,500 rejections when it was such a fabulous book, Mm -hmm. you know, about owning yourself. And uh, Catherine was his wife's name. Anyway, they were just so lovely. There was 200 people online. I was like one of the last ones. What he gave me was exactly the same as he gave the first person that walked in line. He kept recreating newly over and over his being present. And I think what we do as writers and to sell ourselves and things is, is to keep being present, keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. Somebody will eventually say yes. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that because a lot of the new authors, what I find out is they get all excited to write their book, then it gets published and then they disappear. It's like if they don't, they don't get out there and, and, and keep pushing like, you know, so what if you get rejection? So what if someone doesn't want you to speak? So what if they don't want you on their podcast? Just keep asking. And that's the thing that I keep trying to bring to them. So I'm really glad, Stephen, you brought that up because that's what creates success. You cannot give up. Someday there's going to be the right person. I was at an event two years, less than two years ago, and there was a, it was a motivational speakers, a world event. And there was a gentleman there that told his story. And he's extremely, you know, well-known and wealthy and wrote books and he's a business coach and all. But his thing is he always asks you what you want. And I thought, well, that's really interesting that he came up to me. We happened to bump into each other and he says, how can I help you? He always does that. How can I help you? And he follows through. He actually has that integrity and accountability that you spoke about to follow through. So I said, well, I want to do what you do. (laughs) And he said, Okay, and he put me in touch with this woman, you know, blah, 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 and all that began to unfold. And and that didn't necessarily work out because of timing with COVID, but other things did. It gave me that push to keep moving in this direction, you know, where some people would say, oh, well, that didn't work out. It's not meant to be. But the, mm. fact, the fact that he said that, now that's that's what I do, you know? And it's like, I've gone back to him and I said, how can I help you? And he gets... <gasps> Wow. So he's been, I've interviewed him. He put, he puts his book out there for free. Like you were talking about giving things away. Okay. Showing up for people and and providing for them. He gives his book away for free, for free. And, and, and as a result, people come back to him and want to know more about him. Just like you, when I saw your book about the million dollar closing, I was just like, Oh, I need to learn from him. What has he got? (laughs) And, and so it's like, what can I do for him? Well, I can bring you on here. And then I find out it's your first podcast. How cool is that? This is like stellar. So what else can we do for you today, Stephen, to get this message out to help people? Well, let me add one more thing to what we just talked about. So that I I have failed 80% of my life. In fact, I've closed 19.3% of every sale I've ever made for, all of my life. I've kept track of it. So I failed 80% of the time, but it's made me high seven figures. And so during that period of time, I never worried about failing. I never thought about failing. I always knew that something was there if I just kept going forward. So no matter what you're doing or keep writing, keep sending it out and keep knowing that it's going to be there. Expect your profit, expect to get published and 
you can have expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, so often we get taught that we we're not supposed to have these expectations. I still want a jet airplane. I'm not done. <laughs> you know, I, and uh, I want it for personal use, but I also have a an organization that I want to build called Young Organs for Life and provide organ donors for free for children uh, around the world and have the jets carry them. Well, of course, I'm going to be on the jet and go, but, you know, with, with kids. So I, I, I think the thing is, is that I, I just want to see people succeed. And why I focused on selling and closing deals, uh, as you know, I'm known as a million dollar closer worldwide. I didn't name myself that. I'm not that arrogant, but I had to live into it. Mm-hmm. That's a beautiful thing. It pushed me beyond where I was. So whatever you call yourself or whatever you are, if you write, you're an author. It may have not gotten out yet, but you're an author. Uh, if you uh, are an author and you've gotten published and you haven't made the money of it, you haven't sent it out enough. It's that simple. And if you're a published author and you're making money and you're not helping somebody else, you're in the wrong business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I encourage the authors constantly after they publish. You've got to get out there. You've got to keep looking for speaking events. You've got to sell your books. You've got to keep putting the message out there. The the thing that I well because we got very similar personalities. Like I've gotten knocked down too, and rebuild and knocked down and rebuild, <laughs> and, and it's okay because I have a goal like yours one day to help kids. Um, but it's like don't just publish it and then disappear. So many people do that, and it's like they have these beautiful stories. And even if it's not like the the best writing, it's a beautiful story. It can change lives. I got a phone call the other day from somebody that read one of the anthologies that we did with some of the women. And one of the ladies in the book, she decided to back away from everything, even though her story was published. And I got this phone call from this lady and she's going through a tough time in life. And she said, God, so-and-so's story is what woke me up. So I, I sent an email to this woman, you know, who kind of just distanced herself from all of us to tell her, I think you really need to hear this. And I shared with her the conversation that the impact her story could have and, and nothing, nothing, no acknowledgement, nothing at all. So I wonder sometimes, like, why do people why do people put the message out there if they're not going to continue to share it? What's your thought on that? I think believing in yourself. Um, I have every reason not to believe in myself. I had a child, tough childhood. I'm dyslexic. Uh, I was bullied, uh, beaten up uh, continuously. And and when I got when I fought back, I got kicked out of school when I didn't start it. You know, just self preservation, if you will. Uh, I, I think the thing is, is that you have to pick yourself up by the bootstraps, regardless of what anyone said about you. Or uh, there's no reason I should be where I am today. As a matter of fact, I should probably be in prison uh, as, <laughs> as a kid. I mean it. For what I was doing, I was with the wrong crowds, doing the wrong things, mm-hmm. uh, with the wrong people. But one time uh, I met a guy in um, in San Francisco, and he said, you know, you're full of it. And he was a friend. He's somebody I know pretty well, and he's still living, the older gentleman. He said, you know, you're full of it. And he said, the worst part of it is, Stephen, you're the only one that doesn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just shocked. And I said, what do you mean? He said, look, be authentic, be your real self, be your true human being. He said, you've got enough for everybody. You're enough. He said, everybody's enough that most people just don't know they're enough. So any of you that are out there listening to this today, you're enough. I promise you, you're enough. If you've got written words down, they're going to make a difference in somebody's life. There's 7 billion people out there on this planet. And I'll guarantee you 5 billion of them ain't got what they want. 
to put it colloquially, if you will. I agree. You know, as a life coach too, that's one of the topics that, you know, I work with people all the time, feeling enough, knowing they're enough, believing they're enough, you know, and it's amazing how many people don't. And of course I I felt that way off and on in life. It took me six decades to realize I'm more than enough. Uh, (laughs) Six decades is what it is. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to help. I arrived. <laughs> so, so, you know, I don't, I, I want to put it out there too. You're not alone. You know, many of us have felt that way. And, and like Stephen is saying, you are enough. We're all enough and we all have something con- to contribute of value in this world. So Stephen, before we close up, what else would you like to share with our audience today about who you are and who you want to help or what inspiration you want to put out to the world? Well, I'm going to give you my toll-free number. You can call and leave a a message with the uh, operator, and I'll return your call within 24 hours. I'd like to offer any of you a a free 20-minute coaching call uh, on a million-dollar mindset. And this is a mindset that I've articulated over 60 years, and I promise you it's worked for the thousands and thousands of people I've trained. Um, It's a 20-minute call. There's nothing for sale, uh, or I'll teach you how to close a deal. Uh, if you've got a deal that you need closed, uh, call me. I'll, I'll give you an opportunity to close it. I want to be of service to you. I know it's been really tough for people going through this COVID environment. It hasn't been tough for me. Mm. I have a tremendous love in my life, my wife, Tara. I've enjoyed more time with her than I've ever thought I would spend. And what I decided to do was retire and start over with our own business uh, this year as of March 1st. Uh, I was running five states for a company and doing multi-million dollars a year for them and uh, built them up. And I just decided I would move on. Whatever it is that you want, I can help you get there. And uh, if you want to call me and get a free coaching call, I'd love to talk to you. I love people. I care about people. And by the way, uh, if you haven't jumped on Gloria's bandwagon, you want to do it. She's got a, she's a lovely human being. She's got a lovely spirit, lovely heart. Her webpage, she puts out articles that I write on all the time. I, I enjoy them and tell little stories and little short stories. Uh, she's an extraordinary human being. And it's my honor for this to be my first podcast and be able to Give me that 800 number because I'm also going to post it down below so people can see it in the description later. What's the 800 number? 800-801-8538. I'm going to be calling you. (laughs) Oh, good. I'd I'd love to hear from you, Gloria, anytime. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you for being here, for inspiring me and giving me some of the mojo out there. I appreciate that. And to our audience who's listening. And Stephen, the best of luck with everything you're doing. And I see that jet taking those children for those transplants. That's Thank my vision. Yep. Thank you. Thank you very You're much. Awesome. Okay, everybody. Well, check out Stephen's information down below and we'll be back soon. Did you have fun today? I know I did. Now go down to the description and make sure you get Stephen's information and his phone number 800-801-8538 and schedule your free 20 minute call. And remember, the next chapter can be the best chapter of your life.